This is Tate Talks on iHub Radio, a fresh perspective on how to live your best life. Combining biological sciences, mind-body medicine, nutrition, and exercise. This is the place to get the big picture on health and wellness. Live from the iHub Radio studios in Palm Springs, California, here's functional medicine certified health coach and award-winning wellness expert, Jason Tate. Jason Tate here. You're listening to Tate Talks on this beautiful day here in sunny uh, Southern California. Uh, iHub Studios live out of Palm Springs, California, and I have a show for you. In this hour of Tate Talks, I have a local Coachella Valley family medicine doctor to talk about the role of family medicine during, before, and after we've made it through this pandemic. We'll also be discussing obstetrics, OB-GYN health, and how to stay safe and healthy before, during, and after your pregnancy. And in this hour, I have this week's delicious healthy recipe. So I'm going to launch right into it and introduce my friend. Uh, My guest today graduated from University of California, Berkeley, with a degree in physiology and metabolism. Love that, by the way. She worked briefly for UCLA's microbiology lab before attending Ross University School of Medicine in the Caribbean. She was chief resident at Eisenhower's Family Medicine Residency, and she'll be graduating to join an obstetrics fellowship in Memphis, Tennessee, across the country. She recently won the Shining Star Award in patient care this past April and has published two case reports recognized in the Journal of American College of uh, Chest Physicians and the California Academy of Family Physicians. I'd like to welcome my friend, Dr. Amy Chin. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. You bet, Amy. Thank you for being here on the show. I'm so excited. I, I have so many questions and we just, <laughs> so let's just launch right into it. So family medicine. All right. So uh, what is family medicine and what makes it unique or different than something like internal medicine or surgery or other specialties? So whenever I get asked this question, a lot of our med students ask this question, you know, why family medicine? I always sort of allude to the name in itself. So family medicine is essentially we take care of families, meaning from the time that you're born, we take care of newborns to the time of, um, you know, well age and the time of your death. So we really encompass the spectrum of um, health and medicine uh from, from that range. And uh, particularly, we have other niches as well that, that we tend to explore. So I know family medicine doctors that practice hospitalist medicine. I know family doctors that practice emergency medicine. Um, and I know family doctors that practice, you know, OBGYN, which we'll get to uh, later in the show. And um, what makes us unique I think is that we have this full spectrum, but truly what makes us unique is the relationships that are built from having this opportunity to be present at these ages. Um, There's a level of trust, I think, when it comes to being a primary care physician um, and really a level of trust that's built, you know, there's a different level of trust that's built when you are giving 
the privilege of having someone take care of your child or having someone take care of your grandmother or having someone take care of your husband. I like that. And actually, as you're describing it, I'm thinking, you know, back to old school medicine, right? And doctors and the family physician that was the doctor of the town, right? Mm -hmm. This was the roots of family medicine. Am I right? 100%. 100%. Yeah, it would be, uh, we call them old town docs or rural docs, which are sort of rare these days, um, but still very much valued. Yeah. And that trust that you talk about is so important. Uh, if I go to see a doctor that's a specialist, I've never met this person before. And yet they're going to be mm-hmm. examining me in some, you know, uh, obtrusive way sometimes. And it's like, okay. <laughs> right. Very different right. than what you're doing as a family physician. So yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. So what role does family medicine uh, fulfill for the population? Well, we kind of covered that. Um, why did you choose family medicine? I know when you go to medical school, you get to do rotations and you get to do surgery and you get to, uh, you know, do all these rotations and all the different types, internal medicine. What was it about family medicine that struck a chord with you? It's almost exactly what she said. You know, when I was a med student, um, I would do these rotations and I would end the rotation being like, wow, like I really enjoyed doing pediatrics. Um, and then I would move on to geriatrics and then I'd be like, well, I really enjoyed doing geriatrics, but I wonder if I could let go of enjoying pediatrics. And then I would move on to obstetrics and I'd be like, well, that was really cool, too. So there's an aspect of full spectrum that I think um, speaks to a lot of the family medicine uh, doctors. Um, and then essentially, as I said before, the continuity of care, I think, is is such a privilege. Um mm. And it, it, it doesn't, when I think about family medicine, I think about a sense of community and I think about um, the patients that come to us that have questions that they might not be comfortable asking, you know, their specialist or their cardiologist, whatever shape or form. And I think we really bridge that gap. Um, and we have the responsibility of sort of coordinating care and sending people to the right specialist and making sure, you know, the best way I can put it, actually, um, one of my mentors, Dr. Loftus, has said, you know, family medicine, primary care physicians, we sort of see the forest, um, whereas a lot of specialists will see the trees. And and that's great because they train and, and they spend a long time focusing on the details of the trees. And we need that. But as primary care physicians, as family physicians, we really have sort of this worldly view of our patients, this clinical painting of our patients that's not quite so focused. And I think that's where a lot of our gem is. I like that. And you are you set to graduate this this summer, right? You're you're this is your final year in the family medicine residency program at Eisenhower, correct? It is. It is. Oh, yep. It's so been three years. <laughs> I know. I'm interviewing my friend, Dr. Amy Chen. She is a third-year uh, family medicine resident uh, here at Eisenhower in their family medicine residency program. And I had the privilege of meeting Amy when she came to my campus uh, over at the high school to spend 
uh, you came over more than once actually to spend time yeah. with my students in the medical health academy that I teach in. And so I'm so excited to have you here on the show talking about family medicine and the dynamics of family medicine. And this is something that uh, is, I've heard it being as a lost art or we don't have enough family physicians. Have you heard this as well? Can you speak to that a little bit about the need for family physicians across the nation and the recognition of the importance and the role that family physicians, family medicine doctors like yourself play? Right, yeah, I I have heard that in the sense that I think primary care in general um, is kind of one of those things that we really, really need. Um, and just exactly what I said from, from before, I think that primary care and, and family medicine, even in the setting of being able to have or access specialists, um, there's a value in, you talk about this a lot in, in, your, in your podcast, there's a value in health and not necessarily medicine and treatment, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So mm-hmm. preventative care, I mean, that's that's our that's what gets us up in the morning is the preventative care and making sure right. um, that our patients are healthy to the point where, you know, we avoid getting sick. So. Right. So I like I like the focus of preventative care, obviously, um, and the family physician versus a specialist. Right. So if mm-hmm. if I'm a if I'm an orthopedic surgeon, I'm not going to see you unless you need to see me. <laughs> right. 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 Whereas the role right. that you play as a family physician, you know, you want your patients to see you and you want to be with them throughout uh, their lives. And you, you mentioned birth, but actually it's before birth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to so talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to talk about yeah. that before and- birth. Which is Which, my favorite part, but <laughs> yeah, the the pregnancy part, and I have I actually I don't know if we'll have time, but I have a great story to share with you about my wife's pregnancy with my daughter, um, and I'm I'm enamored by the whole process as well, uh, just from being a biologist and and having a deep respect and love for life itself and the creation of life and the uh, protection of life and health and all of that, but so such a beautiful process to grow another being inside of your body and and the role that you play uh, as a family physician specializing in obstetrics uh, helping the families through this time is just so mm, I just, I'm so grateful for you Amy and all of your colleagues and all your friends uh, at Eisenhower so I just have to say that I appreciate that and I think you know obstetrics um women have been giving birth to children for <laughs> who knows how long. And I think the role of um, physicians and the role of family medicine in particularly is really just to aid and guide in that, in that journey. Um, so I think, again, it's a different maybe perspective mm-hmm. uh, as far as prenatal care and going back to, to the orthopedic sort of simile or example that, that you gave, it, I think there's loss in translation information as far as um, the role of family medicine in, 
in two spectrums, right? You have a spectrum of, well, this family medicine doctor is trying to do everything and they're jack of all trades, but they really need to know when their boundaries stop or when it when it is appropriate to coordinate the care so that you see a specialist. So right. I think that's an important aspect of um, being part of a family medicine. Um, the second aspect is really tuning in in that role in in that recognizing, well, this is something, you know, uh, a normal risk prenatal journey, a normal risk delivery is something that family care physicians are able to help with and guide with, with the caveat of knowing that there is an appropriate time to say, hey, I need a specialist on board. And I think that's the, the fine line of a lot of the niches that family medicine doctors um, do, you know, whether that's fellowship through sports medicine, obstetrics, um, sleep medicine. I think the, that training sort of guides you in that art of, okay, like this is something that is within my spectrum versus mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I now need an orthopedic surgeon because there, there's surgery that needs to be involved and I don't do bone surgery. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Still in this hour of Tate Talks, what's happening in Coachella Valley Hospitals with this COVID uh, coronavirus and some more OB health as well. Stay with us right here on Tate Talks. you want to prevent or even reverse many of the chronic diseases that plague society today, you're in the right place. Now, here's Jason Tate. Jason Tate, you're listening to Tate Talks. Thank you so much. I am interviewing a friend of mine who is a local family physician and third-year medical resident through Eisenhower Family Medicine Residency, Dr. Amy Chin. Hi, Hi. Amy. Are you there, Amy? Yes, I'm here. Awesome. Cool. So this, uh, you know, I I have the benefit and and pleasure and honor of having so many friends here in the medical community uh, through different channels and friends and just, you know, through what I do and so on and so forth. And, you know, with that being said, as this pandemic uh, spreads across the nation and, and you know, I know Eisenhower, uh, you guys have done a great job, like preparing yourselves for the storm that is coming. Um, and you have such a great team of doctors and colleagues. And so I just, I, I haven't been able to hang out with you guys since the wave of the pandemic has occurred here in the desert, but I just have a question, you know, what, how have things changed here in the desert, uh, locally, due to coronavirus what are some things because you've been here practicing medicine for the last few years what's different now 
Um, I think technology has sort of gained its traction or optimized oh, cool. itself as far as how we provide health care. Okay. Um, I think pre-COVID, we probably thought, you know, health technology was, at least as a resident, technology means, you know, the, the electronic medical record that you use to, to write notes and maybe like the telephone that, that you use to call patients for the labs. But I think that's really, I think telemedicine has really proven to be very useful mm. um, in this pandemic. And it's sort of changed um, how we approach uh, clinical interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 it was a weird transition, I think, because, you know, we transitioned in the middle of all of this stuff going down and, mm-hmm. and it's a different feeling when you're talking, the talking feels the same, but I think the fact that I'm unable to touch patients really is, it's, it changes, it changes a lot of things. I think it changes your mindset. I think even culturally, um, we've taken a lot of interaction, like physical interaction, or just being able to be a part of a community um, for granted. Because you know, I would pay a hundred bucks if I could hug someone right now. I know, um, right? Oh right? God. <laughs> like that's like not allowed. And I was joking. I was joking in our meeting recently. Like whoever whoever I hug first when I'm allowed to is going to have to deal with the fact that it's going to be a really really long time. <laughs> I know. It's going to be a and really some long tears hunt. are going to be shed because, my yeah. goodness, right? Yeah. yeah. But like, we take that for granted. And yeah. I think, you know, that translates to the, just the doctor-patient interaction, you know, where where there's a, a system that that has trained us. You know, you, you put your stethoscope on the chest and you listen to them breathe or you look into their eyes when they're um, talking to you or even just – you know, I, I had this thought, I was like, if 90% of what we say is through body language, I wonder how much is lost mm-hmm. in, you know, changing how we interact with each other through the Zoom meetings yeah. and the FaceTime meetings and all of that. So it's it's really interesting. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that has changed as far as, you know, this pandemic goes and, and how it's affecting our patients and um physicians in training. Yeah. And are you familiar with heart math? Have you heard of that heart math training? I am not. Okay. Um, well, it's, it's definitely something I'll have to do a show about it. You and I could do a whole show on the power of touch, honestly, I think, uh, yeah. especially going into OB and, you know, working so closely with, you know, expecting mothers and families and family phys- like, the 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 power of a healing touch or just being in this in the room and in the space so heart math takes into account this um basically our our aura of bioelectric energy that we that we possess we have basically kind of like this magnetic pole around our body and when those poles interact and they cross with each other you have heart rate variability that is uh, affected by just being next to another person, not seeing anything, not even touching them. But if you're close enough, your fields actually overlap 
and it affects heart rate variability, immune function, among many other things. So that's heart math, which is very cool. I haven't been heart math yeah. certified, but I know a lot of family docs that are. Um, so this is an unprecedented time, and you definitely touched on something that's super important when it comes to healing and health and doctors. Technology right now is stepping in, but is it the answer, right? And what are we missing? Right. And and how are we gonna, how are you guys gonna do the job that you're trained to do through a camera and through right. a computer? So there's a lot of questions up in the air right now. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get through them. But coming up on Tate Talks, this week's delicious and healthy recipe. I hope you're ready to write this down, Amy, also, because this is so yummy. And also how to stay safe with COVID-19 if you're pregnant. And we'll talk about that and pregnancy in general and share some pregnancy stories. So here we go. Stay with us here on Tate Talks. Tate Talks continues on iHub Radio with iHub Radio wellness expert, Jason Tate. Jason Tate here. Welcome back. I'm here with my friend, Dr. Amy Chin, and we're going to talk about OB health. But before that, I have this week's recipe. This is brought to you by Here's to Your Health and Minimalist Baker this week. This is my family's kind of go-to, uh, minimalistbaker.com. And this week, it is the creamy vegan broccoli salad, mayonnaise-free. Uh, it takes 20 minutes to make it, and it takes 10 ingredients. Uh, and here's the, here's the great part of it. So it's oil-free, it's crunchy, it's salty sweet, it's quick and easy, full of flavor, fiber-rich, and so good. I don't know about you, but I love these broccoli salads, these creamy broccoli salads, but I don't eat them or I have to pick out <clears throat> bacon because they put pig meat in my broccoli salads. And I'm like, what? what's this all about? So this one is a vegan version and they use coconut bacon instead. Uh, like I said, 20 minutes total prep time and to make it. So for the salad, you use three quarters of a cup coconut bacon. And when you go to the minimalistbaker.com, you click on the link for coconut bacon and it gives you the recipe on how to make it uh, if you don't pick it up and buy it. You have seven cups of chopped, chopped broccoli or two small heads of broccoli, half a cup of roasted sun, salted sunflower seeds, half a cup of finely diced red onion or shallot, and a quarter of a cup of dried cranberry or currants, unsweetened, uh, no sweetened dried cranberries, the unsweetened ones. The dressing is cashew butter, seven tablespoons of cashew butter, two tablespoons of maple syrup, although I'd probably cut that back and do one. Uh, anytime there's a sugar involved in, in any type of the ingredients that we do, we always cut it in half and it always tastes great anyway. <laughs> So I definitely recommend that. Three tablespoons of apple cider vinegar, 
half a teaspoon of sea salt, one pinch of black pepper, and three to four tablespoons of water. That's your dressing. Boom, bam, boom. Mix them all up. This is really quick, really easy. And as it's heating up for summer, this is a nice, uh, cool, refreshing, delicious, crunchy, high-fiber treat uh, that you can have and make for yourself or your family. So that's the recipe for the week. Uh, Back here with Dr. Amy Chin. She is in her third year of medical residency, uh, the Family Medicine Residency Program here at Eisenhower Health in the Coachella Valley. And she's going to pursue her fellowship in OB-GYN, obstetrics and gynecology in Memphis, Tennessee, once she finishes and graduates this summer. So I want to talk about OB-GYN health. What is it? Uh, Imagine somebody maybe never having heard of it before. And then let's talk also about um, some basic Uh, health things before we get into the COVID stuff, just basic general recommendations for good OB-GYN health. Um, So OB-GYN health essentially is uh, prenatal care. Uh, Once you're pregnant, you have these scheduled visits with your uh, obstetrics, your family medicine obstetrics or your OB-GYN. And it's essentially um, these visits that make sure that you and baby are doing well. And it's also an opportunity for uh, physicians to sort of risk stratify um, things that might cause complications and identifying them early so that those complications don't occur. So that that would be my essential one-liner for prenatal care and uh, what it means. Um, and again, you know, going back to, to what I said, you know, women have been giving birth without physicians for a right. very long time. And our years. role is, yeah, yeah, our role essentially is to, to help guide through the journey and, and help recognize, you know, certain risk factors to, to make sure we have a nice and healthy baby. Um, and that comes in a variety of ways, everything from screening, if, uh, genetic screening, um, imaging, like ultrasounds. Um, and general recommendations as you progress through your pregnancy. And so with your uh, background in physiology and metabolism, this is a really great segue for you to do something that you had a lot of training in. Uh, And then, Mm -hmm. of course, hopefully, uh, if you haven't covered it yet, a lot of training and information around nutrition and Mm -hmm. supplements and vitamins and things like that, which are really good during that essential time of pregnancy, right? Right. So there's certain, um, I guess, I wouldn't call them restrictions. I'd say guidelines when you're you're pregnant. So when it comes to uh, diet and exercise. So looking back, though, a lot lot of what we talk about, a lot of what primary care physicians talk about, a lot of what your podcast has talked about is this consistent sort of theme of, you know, making sure you stay active and making sure you're eating to fuel your body and making sure mm-hmm. that, you know, you're eating for healthy reasons. And not only that, you know, the your mental and spiritual health, all of this sort of ties in. So when when patients come to me and they're pregnant and they're like, well, you know what, what are very specific things that I can't eat? That's really not that long of a list, but I think the Mm -hmm. overarching picture of making sure you 
exercise 30 minutes a day. Um, and we, you know, if you're of normal BMI, then we watch your, your weight gain and make sure that you're gaining a pound a week. Um, that's adjusted based on what your BMI is. Um, coffee, which is a big one for my patients to, to mm-hmm. give up, having 150 milliliters of regular coffee. And I always um, tell my patients this, not the Starbucks Americano mm-hmm. coffee. I'm talking like the regular coffee that you make at home, you can have 150 milliliters of that, which has about 200 milligrams of caffeine. Um, Avoiding um, fish that may have high levels of mercury. Um, Mm -hmm. Avoiding unpasteurized cheese. So these are very pregnant-specific things that we talk about in visits. Um, And these are things that will help avoid potential dangerous outcomes for your baby and potential complications for, for the delivery. But otherwise, um, the same rules sort of apply. Like make sure that you're exercising. Make sure that you're eating. Um, make sure that you're staying hydrated. Um, make sure that you have a support system. Um, all of these things are not sort of new concepts or, you know, not pregnancy concepts, certainly. It's the health, health concepts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to give a shout out to my wife who she became, well, she's a researcher already anyway. And so when mm-hmm. we found out we were going to have our first child and our only child, she probably spent two to three hours a day researching and she gave up those things. She, you know, she stopped eating the mm-hmm. fish. She actually gave up coffee mm-hmm. completely, um, you know, and got onto a really good exercise regimen. She was at the time, uh, head trainer at a gym and she was working on her certification to become a Pilates instructor. And so she was up and moving and exercising and walking up to the day that she gave birth. And she didn't have a single day of, um, mm-hmm. she kind of had a dream pregnancy. She didn't have any morning sickness <laughs> and she mm-hmm. had a three hour labor and delivery. It was boom, 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 gone. <laughs> There are a lot of women out there right now <laughs> listening and saying, oh, wow, <laughs> good for her. <laughs> you know, and, no, it came, and I think that's great. Yeah. And it came from, you know, like what you're talking about, really taking care of the body. And so, you know, in her, um, you know, seeing her as a hero. And of course, she did all natural childbirth, no painkillers, nothing. She did the whole thing all herself. So. I got to give it up for her for that. And yeah. she she did that because she wanted to have the healthiest child possible and for her to be the healthiest possible. And so now I kind of think like, wow, eat like you're pregnant. You know, if you're if you're a woman, <laughs> eat like you, you know, and live your life as if you're pregnant because and some people think, oh, wow, I get to eat anything I want because I'm going to get big anyway. No, that's not <laughs> how you treat a pregnancy. Yeah. You know, and and how often do you hear that, right? Oh, I'm just going to gain a bunch of weight, so I might as well hide it, you know, behind this bucket of chicken. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, and I I will tell you culturally, like, I'm of Filipino background, and, like, in our culture, the bigger you are, supposedly the happier you are. So, you know, when, when pregnant Filipino moms come in and there's this sort of thought of, like, well, of course we're going to just keep feeding her because... You know, happy means yeah. Yeah, bigger yeah. and eating whatever you want. And so, yeah, I, I completely right. understand and then we're that. Dealing but again, with right, gestational like, diabetes and things like that. Right. right. 
Right. Yeah. So those risk stratifications, when we talk about diet and exercise, it's really avoiding the complications that come with the things that you just listed, gestational diabetes, um, high blood pressure, which mm-hmm. can cause some pretty serious things toward the delivery and even post-delivery, you know, can right. lead yeah. to things like preeclampsia, um, increased risk of stroke. So all of these things we have to sort of think about, not while we're getting there, but even in the very first visit of wanting to become pregnant, setting the expectation and setting um, sort of our goal for the pregnancy journey is really important. And I want to also lift up something that's super important. You've touched on it a couple of times, stress and stress management. I spent my whole first hour talking about stress mm-hmm. management. And I share with my students an article from Time Magazine. I think it was from 2000. It was 20 years ago. But the title of that article, I'll never forget it, is called The First Nine Months. And it is a beautiful article talking about how your first nine months of development and the health of the mother and the health of the family during Mm -hmm. that time translates to the health of your lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I definitely want to lift that up and mention that article. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but this is something that you get to do in your training. I'm so excited for you to do this. How long is your um, fellowship? And in Memphis, it's about two years. Cool. Two years, not about. It is two years. I don't it know why two I said years. about. It is two years. Yeah, it is. And have two you years. been to Tennessee yeah. before? You know, my first time um, there was when I interviewed there, um, and I had never been. I had heard all these wonderful things about <laughs> Nashville, and Nashville's about yep. three hours from Memphis. But yep. you know, I spent some time there, and um, it's amazing because there's so much culture in that area, yep. like. Everywhere from Elvis, I mean, Elvis is everywhere there. Um, And like the food, the music, it was was such a great thing to experience, Uh, specifically, you know, interviewing for OB Fellowship. And all of the fellows are like, yeah, like, this is great. Um, It's a nice place to be for a couple of years. And then you you can decide where you want to go. And (laughs) all of them also jokingly said, you know, prepare for the plus or minus 10 pounds that you might gain from eating all the wonderful food. So fried pickles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and all of their oh barbecue, I think has like some form of sugar. Yep. Like there's no barbecue yep. without sugar. So sweet tea and fried pickles. I've been to yep. Nashville a handful of times. I love going to BB Kings. I love live music. Uh, and will you and I will definitely have to stay in touch. So I'm talking with my friend, Dr. Amy Chen. We are just wrapping up our hour already. It's gone by so fast. Still to come, how to stay safe during this pandemic if you are pregnant. I have some questions uh, about how to stay safe if you are pregnant and what labor and delivery looks like now during this new time of coronavirus. Stay with me right here on Tate Talks. From Palm Springs, California, iHub Radio presents inspirational conversation to help you on the path to vitality. 
health and wellness conversation is front and center on Tate Talks with Jason Tate. Here's Jason. Jason Tate with you live out of Palm Springs, California. This is Tate Talks. I'm him. (laughs) I have my friend, Dr. A.B. Chin here with me, and we're talking about pregnancy and health, and she's going to be doing her uh, OB-GYN fellowship in Memphis, Tennessee, after she graduates from Eisenhower Family Medicine Residency this, this summer. So I'm so excited. You have such a great class, this third year class that you're in. I, all the, all of them are great, but I, I have friends with so many of your colleagues and your classmates, and what a, an amazing group of family and friends that you have right now in this, and I hope that you stay in touch with them. I'm sure you plan on doing it, but what kind of shout outs can you give right now to some of the heroes, maybe, maybe your mentors, maybe your uh, preceptors, like who has been really great for you during this time, these three years that you've spent here in family medicine and Eisenhower? I mean, I think you mentioned it. My class has just been so amazing. And it's so weird because I think we're all very different from each other. Um, And we just, we just had a a resident meeting and, you know, the third year class, you know, given the COVID that's been going on, we haven't really been able to see each other except for, sort of Zoom meetings and all that stuff. And um, it's crazy to me that it's been three years and that we started, we all started as scared interns and, you know, all of us are signing contracts. I think half of our class matched into fellowship and literally like you could not pick a spectrum more broad uh, than this (laughs) class. We have someone who matched into sleep medicine. We have someone who matched into geriatrics, actually a couple of people that matched into geriatrics. Um, you have myself that matched into obstetrics, and then you have, I think someone matched into, um, not I think, I know someone matched into sports medicine. That's literally yeah. family medicine for you. So The um, whole spectrum, yeah. I, yeah, so I think about th- this class and, and the growth, and specifically, like, in the recent times of, of COVID, we've leaned on each other um, a lot. And as far as mentors go, my gosh, I I was actually scared you're going to ask this question because I, I get so emotional talking about um, the mentors that I have at Eisenhower, um, particularly, you know, both of our program directors. When I say both, I mean, we started with Dr. Ann Montgomery when I was an intern and uh, she had stepped down and Dr. Nass had, had taken over her position. And I, I could not think of two of the most like differently strengths people Mm -hmm. who have been there for me in as far as, you know, my growth as a resident, as far as, you know, making this decision to do a fellowship versus, you know, taking um, a primary care physician. So those two, their leadership, I think has to be, spoken for because Mm -hmm. this residency program could not survive with either of them. And I I get emotional talking about those two because every step of the way, it's sort of like having someone on call um, for you when you just don't really know what to do, whether it's, you know, a medical case that's bothering you or a career decision. Those two have really stepped up for me personally. Um, And so I would say my, both of my program directors and really all of our 
our preceptors and that spans mm-hmm. internal medicine too. You know, Dr. Loftus is, is also a longtime mentor of mine. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Thrasher, Dr. Sugar, who is one of the forefathers of medicine, um, in my opinion, um, I can't really, I mean, I could just give you a list of our faculty, yeah. but if I'm thinking about who got me through the three years, and, you know, residency is hard. I don't think a lot of people, unless you are a resident or you're, you're part of a residency program, um, we work long hours. Um, and we, on top of that, have to be on top of all of the guidelines. And the family medicine guidelines, I mean, is, there's not enough books to, to keep up with how often they change. Um, and so and you're taking your step mentors, exams. <clears throat> right. And yeah. you're bored. It's all of it, all of it. And, you ha- you know, we do community projects on top of that. We present morning reports on top of that. Once in a while, you run into a grumpy attending. <laughs> like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard life sometimes. So I think, you know, being surrounded by these mentors um, and a class that's right there with you is yeah. really what has gotten me through. Um, yeah. And you see the growth. It, it's just so weird because you see yourself as an intern or you see your classmate and you're like, man, I remember when we couldn't find our way to Fort East, <laughs> you know, and now we're like, we're in charge of all the medical decisions with, with some supervision, of course, but like, it's just a crazy, crazy yeah. life to me to, to look uh-huh. over at my colleagues and be like, wow, we've really, uh, we've come a long way. Well, let me just offer from myself, but also from humanity. I mean, I, I just want to go that broad. Uh, everyone here in the Coachella Valley, just humans, thank you so much for you, for the service that you do, your colleagues, your friends. I'm getting choked up thinking about it. Like, you guys are the protectors of the most, of the greatest gift that we receive ever in the gift of life. And you protect that, you cherish it, you nourish it, you bring us back to health, you bring us back to life sometimes. So I just want to say thank you. And, and I want to say too, like I, if my class is listening, I hope we never take that for granted because I think that's what gets most of us up in the morning mm-hmm. in that the hours that we put in that we're changing lives or helping in ways that we know how. And of course, you know, I think having these conversations um, and having an avenue like this to discuss not just medicine, but health is really, really important. So shout out Mm -hmm. to you and this wonderful podcast as well. Thank you. Yeah. Well, to the protectors, right? To you, the it sounds like a Marvel character. You guys are the you're the protectors and uh, and the defenders of life and health. And so shout out to all of you. If you want to follow Dr. Amy Chen, can I tell them your Twitter handle? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So Amy's on Twitter. It's Dr. Amy. And she, do you have, you, you really do have two M's in your name? I do. I have two I M's love and that. two E's in my name. <laughs> okay. It confuses so Dr. Everyone. Amy is Dr. A-I-M-M-E-E. Dr. Amy, she's on Twitter. This is Tate Talks. Thank you so much, Dr. Chin. You're awesome. And I'm so honored and and I cherish our friendship. And I'm so honored to have you on the show. 
and I'll have to get you on the show after you finish your um, your uh, fellowship. So here we are. Absolutely. Thanks Wrapping for having me. Another, oh, you bet. Wrapping up another week. Tate Talks is here at iHub Radio every Sunday and on all major podcasts to provide current up-to-date information with regard to health and wellness to inform and inspire you to make the best the rest of your life the best of your life thank you for listening i'll see you next week